Hey there, thanks for joining us here at Compass Church, where we are making God accessible to everyone. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us as a church, head over to our website, compassbn.com. We hope this inspires you and gives you practical ways to live out your faith. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, good morning and welcome. I'm Chris. I'm the pastor at Compass, and I'm thrilled to have you with me today because today we're going to talk about a section of Jesus's teaching that for me has always been one of the stickiest and hardest to really grasp. It's a passage that I've read a bunch of times and every time I just wrestle with it because Jesus gives an analogy that's kind of hard to understand. It's one that sits in a really weird place within the Gospels and it It's kind of menacing to boot. So if you were with us last week, you know that this is part two of a message series called Possessed. And we're taking a look at some extended teaching that Jesus gave on money and possessions. Now last week, Mitch kicked it off with a very familiar saying of Jesus's in Matthew chapter six, verse 21. And this is what Jesus said. He said, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. And with that opening statement, Jesus tells us this, that our relationship to money and possessions is a matter of the heart, which means this, that you can determine what matters most to you by what you invest in the most. So for example, I mean, it's it's no secret that going to Disney World matters a lot to my family. I mean, we work really hard and we save really hard to be able to take our kids there as often as we possibly can. We put a lot of effort and money into making that happen because it's really important to us. The things that happen there are valuable to us on a family level. And for the record, so is getting that good dining plan so you can eat well, okay? So if you go, plan to eat well. I'm not the guy bringing bologna sandwiches into the theme park. The food is the trip, am I right? High five. So a close look at how you spend your money, your time, or whatever resources you have, that's gonna show you what matters to you the most when you take a hard, close look at where you spent. It also means that we can lead our heart to care about certain things by investing in those things. We can actually lead and change our desires by investing our treasure in those things we wanna lead our desires to. I mean, listen, I'm a total Mac guy, okay? Apple all day. I loathe PCs and I literally hate the experience of using Microsoft Windows anytime that I have to. But the computers my kids use for school are Windows devices. Now, I would gladly toss any PC into my driveway and crush it under my minivan, except for the ones my kid use. Why? because I paid for those. My money is wrapped up in those hunks of junk and I'm on the hook if they are damaged or destroyed. God help anyone who puts a scratch on those awful machines because my treasure, my money is wrapped up in them. So I care about them. Now, as we continue into this next section of Jesus's teaching on money and possessions, I wanna let you know what we're gonna learn. Okay, just up front. We're gonna learn the importance of history and context. Uh, when reading the Bible. We're gonna learn how to diagnose if we have a heart problem. And we're also gonna get sort of a grim warning about our own ability to deceive ourselves. So with all that, let's go. Let's look at what Jesus taught in Matthew 6, verse 22 through 23. And he said this, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. 
And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Now, I've always struggled with this passage. It's always been strange to me and hard for me to understand. Your eye is a lamp that lets light into your body, and when it's healthy, your body is full of light. And if not, then your body's full of darkness. So I've mostly heard this preached saying, basically to keep people away from watching R-rated movies, okay? And it would go something like this. When you watch bad things with your eyes, it fills your mind up with bad things. So don't watch anything with mature content, don't listen to bad music, and don't look on sinful things. That's pretty much how I've always heard this passage taught. And now while that may sound like really good advice to some, it never made sense to me why Jesus would pause and put that teaching in the middle of other teaching about money and possessions on top and money on possessions right after. And, and it didn't make sense to me why he would do that to make a point about what movies you watch and then start talking about money again. But when you dig a little deeper, it begins to make sense. See, in ancient Jewish language and culture, having a bad eye meant something very specific. It was an idiom, okay, an idiom which is a saying that makes sense in certain cultural settings, but that isn't literal. So for example, if I texted you that it's raining cats and dogs right now, you would know that it's pouring outside, not literal cats and dogs falling from the sky. But if someone a thousand years from now read that, it might be absolutely confusing. And having a bad or evil eye meant something specific to ancient Jews. And when we look, we can find out what. So let's look at Deuteronomy 15.9 in the Old Testament. It says, do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone a loan because the year for canceling debts is close at hand. If you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be considered guilty of a sin. Okay, so this is a passage that's basically talking about being generous, not being selfish and stingy and greedy. And this is the New Living Translation of the Bible, what we just read. And what most translations of the Bible attempt to do is communicate what is intended by the author, the person who wrote it. And so this passage communicates that being stingy and greedy and helping others is a sin. But look at a translation that translates more of the literal Hebrew original words. This is the English Standard Version. Take care, lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart, and you say, the seventh year, the year of release is near, and your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother and you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you and you be guilty of a sin. Now clearly like a word for word reading of that is not as clear or understandable as what we read in the New Living Translation. But that's what translations do. They try to help us understand. But when you look at this literally, you see this. When your eye looks grudgingly on your poor brother, you give him nothing. The original Hebrew words here mean that it's talking about when you have a bad eye. Here's another example from the ancient Jewish scriptures where it talks about having a bad eye. Proverbs 28, 22. Greedy people try to get rich quickly, but don't realize they're headed for poverty. Again, that's the New Living Translation, but what's translated as greedy people, in Hebrew, the words literally mean a man with a bad or evil eye. It was understood that when someone was described as having a bad eye, when that idiom was used of people in ancient Jewish culture, that it meant they were stingy, they were greedy, selfish, envious of others. 
And the opposite was also true when it came to describing people's eyes, not just bad eyes, but good eyes. Proverbs 22, 9. Blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. Again, New Living Translation. And what's translated here as those who are generous is literally in the Hebrew words, he who has a good or generous eye. Now, I'm taking a minute to highlight this because it's important that when we read the Bible, we read to really understand what it means. It means that we read it so that we can grasp what, grasp what the authors intended, that we are asking questions and that we are looking for the answers. Because sometimes things that are stated in the Bible can seem unclear because we don't understand. I mean, for example, why does Paul say in 1 Corinthians eleven fourteen that it is literally against nature for a man to have long hair? Or that it's wrong for a woman to pray in public without covering her head? Is that true? Does the surface reading of that passage change when I better understand the culture and the history and the intent of the person who's writing it? See, engagement with the Bible means that sometimes we need to look deeper. And this is why when you are reading the Bible, you need to ask questions about what you are reading. You need to look at the context, what comes before, what comes after, because sometimes what's on the surface is not what it's really saying. Now, I think the best way to really understand what Jesus is saying about a good or bad eye is not only found in the ancient Jewish scriptures, but it's also found in the only other time that Jesus used this saying, this idiom, in the Gospels. Jesus told the story of a vineyard owner in Matthew chapter 20. And I'm going to summarize it for you. This is what Jesus said. He said that, that there was a vineyard owner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his fields. And as he gathered these guys together early in the morning, say five in the morning, he agreed to pay them a full day's wage for a full day's work. But when he was in town later at nine o'clock, he saw some more people just lingering around. And so he hired them too, telling them that he would pay them just whatever was fair at the end of the day. He was back in town at three o'clock and at noon and he did the same thing. Noon and three o'clock, he, he brought people in. And then finally, Jesus said that this vineyard owner was at the marketplace at five o'clock in the evening, and he still see people hanging around doing nothing. And so he asked them, why weren't they working? And they were like, no one's hired us. There's no work. There are no jobs right now. So he told them to go out and join his other workers who are already working in his vineyard at five o'clock at night. Now, at the end of the day, just an hour or so later after that, all of the workers gathered together to get paid. And the vineyard owner started with the people who had only been there since five o'clock, so just for an hour or so. And he gave them, wait for it, a full day's wage. Then he went to the people who started at three o'clock and at noon, and he gave them a full day's wage. And the guys who'd been there since five in the morning, they saw this and they were like, oh, wait a minute, they're, you know, watching this, observing... These guys didn't work all day. I mean, maybe the vineyard owner is confused or more likely he's going to give those of us who have been here all day a huge bonus. Well, finally, he goes to the people who'd only been working for, for or who had been working there all day. And you guessed it. He paid them as much as the people who'd only been working for an hour or so, a full day's wage. And they were not happy. Look what happens in Matthew 20, 11. It says, when they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat, right? I mean, that's how many of us would respond. That's how many of us would feel, at least, even if we didn't respond that way. Jesus continues, the vineyard owner, he answered them. He says, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? 
So take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? And here is where it all connects to what we're talking about. That last line, Jesus says, are you envious because I'm generous? That can literally, literally be translated, is your eye bad because I am generous? Is your eye bad because I'm generous? Okay, so let's go back, right? Jesus said in Matthew 6, 22 through 23, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, when your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, when you have a bad eye, your whole body is filled with darkness. What do we now know about what it means to have a bad eye? It means it's about a person who is stingy, who's selfish, self-centered, self-focused, and greedy. It's a person who's envious of what others have, a person who gets angry when others get ahead, even when those others in need, because somehow that means I'm being left behind. It's a person who puts their own desires over the tangible felt needs of others. And a good eye, by contrast, is the opposite. I mean, a good eye is the vineyard owner, right? A person whose heart and resources are oriented around the good of others, around blessing others, around helping others. And, and take note, okay, did you notice why the workers who didn't start until five o'clock weren't doing anything? Like you can read that and be like, oh, they were just hanging out. That's not true. It wasn't because they were lazy. It's because there were no jobs. There was no work. These people were unemployed. These were people who needed help. And when someone with a good eye looks at someone like this, someone who needs help, someone who needs a hand up, they think of how they can help them. But when someone with a bad eye looks at someone like this, they think to themselves, what is this person going to cost me? This is why having a bad eye is so toxic and it fills a person with so much darkness. It makes it nearly impossible to invest treasure in the kingdom of heaven by caring for others because all they can think about is how much it costs them. Which leads to how this can help us diagnose our own hearts. I mean, to see if we have a good or a bad eye. So let's run some hypotheticals, okay? Have you ever seen someone get help from the government and thought to yourself, well, I never got any help. I never got any free handouts. I never took unemployment. I never had affirmative action. I, you know, I never got free money to go to school. I had to work for, all, for it. Like, like the, you know, these all day workers, I had to work for all I have. Why are my tax dollars going to them? Or have you ever resented someone who got a promotion or a raise because you didn't? I mean, let's get really real, okay? Let's get right now real. Have you ever gotten angry when you were asked to wear a mask for the good of others because it violated your rights and your privileges? At the end of the day, our treasure is not just money. It's about all the things we value and, we and, and all the things we wanna keep for ourselves, our money, our time, our stuff, our rights. And here's the thing, take this away. A heart with treasure in the kingdom of heaven is a heart that treasures others first. There's one last thing that I think is the most chilling thing that Jesus says. It's, and it's the last thing he says in Matthew 6, 23. He sums up his teaching by saying, if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. 
This is the first hint of a theme that we're gonna see Jesus elaborate on more and more as we continue working through the Sermon on the Mount over the next several weeks. And the scary truth is this, is that there are Christians and there are very religious people who are full of darkness and have no idea. In fact, they're not only full of darkness, but they think that they are right. They think they are righteous. There are religious people who believe all the right things, who say all the right things, and do all the religious things, but their hearts aren't lined up with Jesus's priorities or his kingdom ethics around other people. And in Jesus's own words, if the light you think you have is actually darkness, that is some deep, deep darkness. So I think we should ask ourselves a couple questions, okay? First, is my eye good or bad? Am I generous or stingy? Am I selfish or others focused? Is your life oriented around the good of others or is it oriented just around the good of yourself? Do you have bitterness or envy towards people who get things that you don't? Even if they are things those people are in real need of, can't get on their own? Do you resent sacrificing things that you value for the good of others? Or do you refuse to sacrifice things that you value for the good of others? Are you self-focused or are you others focused? Second question we should ask ourselves, am I deceiving myself about the condition of my heart? Remember, remember, this is not just an issue of money or resources or even our rights. It's an issue of our hearts. Is it possible that the light you think you have is actually darkness? Are you willing to acknowledge that it might be? And if you aren't willing to acknowledge that, isn't that an answer in and of itself? You see, a life following Jesus is a life of constant correction and adjustment. We have a word for it, we call it repentance. It's a regular evaluation of our lives in light of the teachings of Jesus and and a correction of where we're off from the teachings of Jesus. And it should come as no surprise that a person who is investing their treasure in the kingdom of heaven is investing in what matters to God most, people. Loving people in the way of Jesus, caring about their needs, meeting their needs is how we store that treasure up. Because a heart with treasure in the kingdom of heaven is a heart that treasures others first. Now, if I've stepped on your toes at all today, please know that I've been stomping on my toes all week. The literal process of preparing messages and studying the word in order to share with you is the process of stomping on my own toes, knowing that I may have to step on yours a little bit. But I am desperate to know that my heart and that your heart are aligned with Jesus's heart that we have a good eye, that we are people of generosity and selflessness, that we don't cling to our money, that we don't cling to our resources, that we don't resent others who may get a hand up that they need that maybe we didn't, and that we don't hold so, so hard to our rights because they're mine, even though it might be for the good of others to let those rights go. Let's live like Jesus, let's be like Jesus. And remember, If you struggle to have a bad eye, I have. Know this, that simply by adjusting and putting your treasure 
in the kingdom of heaven, putting your treasure where it matters to Jesus, you and I can lead our hearts to the right place. So if you struggle like I have, let's invest our resources, our time, our rights, in the act of loving other people. And in doing so, let's invest in the kingdom of heaven. Thanks again for joining us today. If you want to learn more about us as a church, get connected, need prayer, or anything else at all, head over to our website, compassbn.com.